<laughs> you want to know what my thoughts on Santa are, I'm not going to tell you. All I know is we got him saved. Isn't that wonderful? How many of you know Jesus is better than Santa or anybody else? Is that right? Amen. Let's always keep Jesus as a central focus. He's the reason for the season, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for your presence here today. We thank you for your holy written word, the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, that it is without error, it is complete and total. And uh, we're just so grateful for your word, that as your word is, is, is taught and is preached, that it goes out and it encourages all of us and edifies us and exhorts us and makes us lights to shine in a dark world so that those that lay in darkness may come to the glorious light, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and get saved and make Him Lord. Miss hell, make heaven. And that's our, that's our heart's desire is for Your Word to make us as sharp and as bright as we can possibly shine for the goodness of Almighty God. We thank You for Your Word that it goes forth now and it accomplishes what it's sent forth to do. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said... Amen. Hey, this is a friendly family church. Find a couple of people, shake their hands, and then we'll get into the Word of God. Let's open our Bibles today. Let's open to Luke, the third chapter. Luke chapter number three. Luke three. Now, prior to Jesus being revealed and entering his public ministry, John the Baptist rose up preaching and preparing the way for him. You remember that, don't you? And notice here in Luke chapter three, verse two, it says, while Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John, that's John the Baptist, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness, and he went into all the region around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, as it was written in the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, now notice, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. What I want to talk to you today about entitling this message Straight Paths. Straight Paths. You see, John came on the scene preaching and his ministry was to get the people ready, get them prepared for the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice he preached. He told the people to repent. What does repent mean? That just means to, to have a change of heart, a change of mind. Turn from the way you're going and go a different way. And then he said this. He said, make his paths straight. And you know what? I want to be walking on the straight path. How about you? The straight path. You know, not only did John talk about a straight path, but our Lord himself had something to say about 
a straight and a narrow path. Notice Matthew, the seventh chapter. Matthew, the seventh chapter and the 13th verse. Matthew, chapter 7, verse 13. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate. Now that word narrow could also be translated straight. Enter by the straight gate or the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way. Now that way could also be called the path. Wide is the gate, broad is the path that leads to destruction and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow, or we could say straight, is the gate and difficult or narrow is the way or the path which leads to what? Which leads to life and there are how many? Few who what? Who what? Who find it. Now, by comparison, if you look at all of the people who are entering the narrow gate and walking on the straight path, they are few in comparison to all of the people that are going through the wide gate and the broad path. Jesus said, narrow or straight is the gate and difficult, narrow or difficult is the way or the path which leads to life and there are few who find it. I want to be one of those few who find it. How about you? You know, Jesus said in another place, he said of himself, he said, I am the door. If you enter through me, you shall be saved. And then he went on in another place to say, no one comes to the Father except through me. How many of you realize that Jesus, he is the only door to the Father? He's not just a door, he's the only door. He's not just a way to be saved. The Bible says he's the only way to be saved. You have to realize that. Now, I know folks get mad, they get upset because, you know, they'll say, well, isn't there many paths that lead to God? No, there's only one path that leads to God. His name is Jesus. And all the other paths lead to destruction. We need to realize that. And notice again in verse 14, he says, few there be who, who what? Who find it. Now, Jesus is the door to salvation. He's the door to heaven. He's the door by which we miss hell and make heaven. He's the door by which we enter through to experience the God kind of life. What I want to talk to you today about is, as I said, straight paths. Now, we've made it clear that Jesus is the only way. Now, don't get mad at me for saying that. That's what the Bible says. You understand that? So he's the door. He's the only door. He's the only way to be saved. And so when you repent of your sins and you trust in Jesus, you enter through that narrow door and you're saved. You're going to miss hell. You're going to make heaven. But, no, but, but you need to realize, and as I've studied the Bible, once you're saved, you're a Christian now, you're saved, there are many paths in life that you can take. Now... There, have you ever heard of the perfect will of God and the permissive will of God? Has anybody ever heard of that? 
How many of you'd like to be on? Now, I'm talking to people now. You've already come through the door. You've already accepted Jesus. He's the only way. You've come through Him, and now you're a Christian. You're saved. There's no doubt about that. But then, after you get saved, there's many different paths in life that you can take. But, you know, I've found that God has a perfect path for all of us to be on. You see, I'm interested not... You know, first of all, I'm interested in going to heaven. I mean, there's no question about that. That's the first and foremost. But you know what? I want to experience victory down here on earth. How about you? I want to walk in the blessing of God down here upon the earth. How about you? Thank God for the blessing in heaven. But now let's talk about walking in the blessing down here upon the earth. You know, I've watched this. You can get on... I'm talking to Christians now. You're going to heaven, no doubt about it, but I've watched Christians done it myself. Get on the wrong path and, and there's no victory. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And then, I, and then I've changed, made the, the adjustments, get over on the path God has for me, and then I've walked in the blessing of God. Now, once you get born again, once you get saved, you need to take some time praying getting in the Word of God and finding out the perfect path that God wants you to walk on. It's not just a matter of talking about blessing. This is a message here today that can save your life. How many of you want to be in the will of God? You know, when you're in the will of God, you're going to live out your days upon the earth. You understand that? How many of you know you get on the wrong path and die young? Is that right? I don't want to die young, do you? I'd like to live out my days. And once you become a Christian, you have to spend some time seeking the Lord as to, and to find out what is the path that God wants you to be on. Now notice Proverbs, the third chapter, if you would, Proverbs 3 and verse 5. The book of Proverbs, the book of Psalms, has much to say about how to find and stay on the straight path God has for us. I'm talking to Christians now. What's the, who's the door? Tell me who the door is. Is he the only way to get saved? Yes. But once you've gotten saved, there's other paths. I mean, there's many different paths you can walk on in this life. Let's go into the Word of God and find out some things about finding the path God wants us to be on and walking in it. Look at Proverbs 3, verse 5. It says, Trust in the Lord with, with what? All your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall what direct your paths so so he talked about a moment ago about finding the path and then he tells you that he'll help direct your path but you're going to have to do something for him to direct your path first of all you're going to have to trust in the lord with how much of your heart with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, you need to realize, and I've learned this through experience, a lot of times the path that God wants us to walk on doesn't make a whole lot of sense to our, uh, to our natural thinking, to our brain. You know, it takes faith to walk on the path God has for us. Do you realize that? I said it takes faith. It takes faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, the Bible says. And so if we'll trust in Him with all of our heart, lean not on our own understanding, in all our ways acknowledge Him, then He will direct our paths. Now somebody says, okay, well that's good, but 
but just how does he direct our paths? Well, look at Psalm 119, verse 105. Psalm 119, verse 105. How does the Lord direct our paths? Well, notice Psalm 119, verse 105. Notice what the Bible says here. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my what? So listen, you'll never be able to find the perfect straight path that God has for you to walk on apart from spending time in His holy written word. Hear me? You're not going to just... Now listen to me, you're not going to find the path God has for you to walk on in this life by accident. I don't believe for one moment you're going to just get quote-unquote lucky and happen to get on the right path. You need to spend time with Him in His Word, and His Word will light up and illuminate the path that you're supposed to be on. Now then, somebody asked me one time, they said, well, Pastor, there's a lot of things we can go into the Word of God, and, you know, like, are we supposed to forgive? On the path we walk, should it be a path in which we forgive people? Yes. Should it be a path on which we love people? Yes. But what about when you have to make a decision as to what house to buy or which job to take? You know, I, I can't go into the Word of God and find out, you know, uh, Terry, take the job at Deerberg's Markets. Wouldn't that be nice if that was in there? But it isn't. So what do we do when the thing we need help with, the path we need help with isn't verbatim in the Word of God, then what have we taught you over the years? What does the Bible say? Peace versus no peace. Right on the inside. If you're born again, the Holy Spirit's right on the inside of you there. And, and when you're going down the path He has for you, there'll be peace on the inside. You'll have peace, a restfulness on the inside. When you're on the path that He doesn't want you to be on, I'm telling you what, because I've been on a few of those in my life, there's just no peace on the inside. There's just turmoil in, on the inside. Do any of you know what I'm talking about? But I tell you what, you get over on the, on the path that God has for you, there'll be peace, peace, wonderful peace. The Bible says in the Old Testament to be led forth with peace. In the New Testament, the Bible says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. That word rule means umpire. What does an umpire do in a baseball game? Calls it safe or out. And so if there's no peace on the inside, it's what? It's out. If there's peace on the inside, then it's safe. Now, there's many things you don't need to look to peace versus no peace for, like I said a moment ago. How about forgiving somebody? Is that something you need to spend hours in prayer to figure out if you're supposed to forgive somebody? No, because the Bible clearly tells us that. But which job to take, you know, what house to buy, that kind of thing, you need to spend time with the, with the Lord and peace versus no peace. If you got peace, then head on down that path. Also, listen to me, don't ever go... You know, God does not lead through open and closed doors. Did you know that? Well, the door opened up, so it must be God. No, it could be the devil opened it up for you. We're not led by open doors and closed doors. We're led by the Word of God and what? The Holy Spirit of God. Is that right? So if a door opens up, if you don't have peace, don't, don't just assume God opened it. You don't go through there unless you've got peace. Can you say amen? Uh, just because the door is shut 
Well, the door shut. God mustn't want me to go through. No, it could have been the devil shut the door on you. Take your faith, word of God, blow the door open and walk on through it if it's what God wants you to do. Do you understand? Don't be led by open doors and closed doors. Be led by the word of God and the spirit of God. Can you say amen to that? Now then, notice if you would, and, and I want you to look at Psalm 23. I just want to point out some evidences which will show whether or not you have found and are on the straight path God has for you. Now, we've, we've, we've mentioned to you here how to find it, but now there's some evidences. There's some evidences by which we can know if we're on the path God has for us. Notice Psalm 23, verse 2. He makes me to lie down in what? In green pastures. He leads me beside the what? The still waters. Now listen, when you're on the path God has for you, there's going to be some green pastures. And there's going to be some still waters. If you don't ever encounter green pastures and still waters, you need to, you need to check up and see whether or not you're on the path God has for you. And then verse 3 says, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of what? Righteousness. So there's another way you can tell if you're on the path God has for you. It's a path of righteousness. There's not going to be sin on His path. There's not going to be tampering with sin on His path. Did you hear me? How many of you know the wages of sin is what? Is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Life of God. You get on the path God has for you, there'll be some life on that path. You understand? But the path He has for you is a righteous path. Notice verse 6. Notice verse 6. Surely, surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Ask yourself this question. On the path you're on, do you have goodness and mercy following you? Or do you have turmoil and, and, and uh, just, you know, just turmoil and turmoil and turmoil? If you've got turmoil, turmoil, turmoil following you all the time, I have to wonder whether or not you're on the path God has for you. You get on the path He has for you, there's going to be goodness and mercy following you. Now look at Psalms um, 16, verse 11. Psalms 16, verse 11. Just some evidences. Just some evidences to, to, to do a self-test. See if you're on the path God has for you. Psalms 16, 11. You will show me the path of life. Notice that. In your presence is what? fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures evermore. Let me ask you this. Do you have fullness of joy in your life? Do you have fullness of joy? If you don't have fullness of joy, you need to check up and see if you're on the path God has for you. If you're on the path He has for you, there's going to be some fullness of joy. Amen. How many of you know joy and happiness are not the same thing? Happiness is a feeling based on circumstance. But joy is a spiritual force based on the Word of God. You can have the joy of the Lord when you have no, no circumstantial reason to be happy. Checkbooks, zero. That's no reason to be happy, but you can have the joy of the Lord knowing that the Bible says that He'll supply all my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Is that right? How many of you know you can have joy when there's no reason to be happy? Well, let me ask you, if you don't ever have any joy or fullness of joy, could you possibly be on the path God has for you? 
If you're on the path he has for you, there's going to be some fullness of joy and there's going to be some pleasure. How many of you know God wants us to enjoy life? Did you know that? Contrary to what a lot of religious, quote-unquote religious people will tell you, how many of you know God wants you to enjoy life? He wants you to have some pleasure here in life. How many of you know He wants church to be pleasurable? How many of you know He wants you, when you come to church, He wants you to be looking forward to it, amen? Shouldn't church be fun? I can't think of anything more fun to do than worship God and study His Word, can you? You see, if studying His Word is not enjoyable to you, you need to check up. I don't think you're on the right path. Did you hear me? And then notice, if you would, here in Psalm 17.5. Psalm 17.5. says, Uphold my steps in your paths, that my footsteps may not, may not, what? Slip. You see, if you're on... Let me ask you a question. Do you, are you just circling the same mountain again and again and again? Are you spinning your wheels, so to speak? Are you stuck in the mud, so to speak? If you are, I have to question whether or not you're on the path God has for you. See, you get on the path He has for you, your foot's, you're, you're, you're not going to slip. You're, you're not going to spin your wheels, so to speak. You're going to be getting somewhere if you're on the path that God has for you. Did you hear me? If you just seem to be circling, because I know I've done this, just circle this mountain and then circle it again, then circle it again, and then next year this time we're circling, you know, we're going around. That's not the will of God for any of us. Spinning our wheels, slipping, huh? Going around and around, never getting anywhere. Tell you what, you get on the path God has for you, you're going you're gonna to make some, some progress. You're going to move forward. Now, I tell you what, I, I've, I have to admit, I've missed it in this area. I, there's, I mean, there's some areas in my life where I've just circled the mountain and circle it again and circle it again. And, and you know what? Until the change is made and, and you get off that path and get on the path that you're supposed to be on, you're going to just keep circling that mountain. Did you hear me? Now, did you hear me? And, and I don't know if you're like me, but you circle the mountain, and instead of doing something about it, I can be prone to just crabbing and complaining about it. How come, you know, five years ago I was around here and I hadn't gone anywhere in the last five years? Well, Terry, ding dong, could it be you're on the wrong path? Could it be you need to make an adjustment and get over on the right path, and then God takes hold with you, and then you move on up? Is that right? You okay? Now, I'll tell you, though, something that I've learned about when you, when you notice you're circling the mountain, just going around and around and around to get off that path. Because, you know, sometimes you, you, you circle that mountain, circle that mountain. You can get so used to circling the mountain and, and you can start crabbing and complaining that you can get used to that lifestyle and to break it's not always easy. And then something else I've noticed about circling the mountain, when you get off that path and you, you get over on the right path, a lot of times things go, you'd think that immediately when you get on the right path, things, go under, things pick up. No, they don't always pick up right away. You've got to get on the right path and walk on it for a while. Say for a while. You've got to walk on that for a while to see the evidences of getting on the right path. Did you get what I just said? How many has ever circled a mountain beside me, so to speak? Just go around and stuck in the mud. 
You got it. I mean, if you've ever been stuck in the mud, getting out of the mud, it's not all that easy, is it? I know when I was a kid, I lived in a rural area, and uh, sometimes people would come back to our house and they'd get stuck not well, in mud once in a while, but in the snow. And I have a tractor there, and I have to get the tractor and the big old chain, hook the car up to the chain, and pull them out. It was sometimes it was an ugly process, you know. Sometimes it seemed like they went deeper in the snow, but eventually we got them out, we got them on the right path, and then they were able to go on. Did you get what I just said? So to break, to break out of the mud, sometimes it can be a, 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 a dirty process, hard process. You know what I'm saying? You get on the right path. Things don't always pick up right away. After all, you've been circling that, on that wrong path, that mountain, for years, you think you can just get over on the path God has for you and just things just pick up instantly? No, it can take some time for them to pick up. But if you'll stay on that right path, things will pick up in the process of time. Amen? You okay? All right. Now then. Uh, oh, here's something else. Psalm 65:11. Let's go there. Are you getting anything out of this today? This should speak to all of us. Psalm 65:11. Let's go there. You crown the year with your goodness and your paths, God's paths, the path we're supposed to be on, drip with what? With what? With abundance. You get on the path God has for you and you stay on that path long enough and you walk on that path, eventually there's going to be some abundance in your life. I said eventually there'll be some abundance. But just remember that abundance that you experience isn't all about you. It's about helping other people. Did you hear me? Thank God for abundance, but abundance shouldn't just be all about us. Yeah, God wants us to enjoy things, all right, but when we become abundant, that's when we're uh, in a position to help other people. Did you hear me? But I'll tell you this, if there's never any abundance in your life, you have to ask yourself a question. Are you on the path God has for you? Now look at this, Proverbs 4.18. Proverbs 4.18. Just some evidences here to see whether or not you're on the path God has for you. Let's go to Proverbs 4.18. It says, The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever what? Ever what? ever brighter under the perfect day. See, if you're on the path that God wants you to be on, things ought to be getting brighter, not darker. Did you hear me? I said, if you're on the path that God wants you to be on, things ought to be getting brighter, not darker. Yeah, Pastor, I've been walking, walking, you know, down this path, you know, and things just getting darker. Just, I don't know what, just darker, darker. Well, you're on the wrong path. You get on the path God wants you to be on. Yes, it's a path that's going to take faith to walk down, but things ought to be getting brighter, not darker. So if things are getting darker and gloomy, and well, you need to get along with God and find out if you need to make an adjustment. Get on the right path. Now, having said that, I need to balance this message out just a little bit. You know, I'm a person of balance. I try to stay balanced. I've served me well over the years. You need to listen to this because we're talking about, you know, the abundance and the pleasure and all of that, but you need to realize this, that walking on the path God has for you, didn't Jesus himself say that it, it could be difficult? 
You need to understand this serving God, though there's great blessing in it and there's abundance and joy and all of that, but it's not always a bed of roses. The path of God doesn't all... Yes, there's still waters. Yes, there's green pastures. But sometimes walking the path God has for you to walk will, will lead you in some areas that, that, aren't, that aren't so wonderful. You need to realize that. And you need to understand that. We talked about David in Psalm 23 and, and, you know, beside the still waters and the green pastures and all those wonderful things. But also in Psalm 23, on that path he was on, didn't it also talk about the valley of the what? Shadow of death. But even... When you're on the path that leads by... See, the path of God will take you by the still waters. It'll take you by the green pastures. But there are sometimes it'll take you right through the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. But even in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, what did the Bible say? I will fear no evil, for thou art what? With me. Isn't, isn't it good to know that? How many of you know Daniel? Well, David, we talk about the valley of the shadow of death. David, at another time, did his path lead him into a giant? What was that giant's name? And did he bring that giant down at the hand of God? So you see, your path will lead you in abundance and joy and all that, but it will also lead you sometimes past a giant. But isn't it good to know we can take the Word of God and kill the giant? Amen? Daniel, how many of you remember? Daniel, his path one time led him through a lion's den. Is that right? But didn't God send his angel and shut the lion's mouth? How many of you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? The three Hebrew children. Their path led them into a fiery furnace. Is that right? But didn't Jesus show up in the midst of that fiery furnace? Didn't He show up in there? And they came out, they weren't burned, they didn't even smell a smoke. Is that right? Praise God. Jesus Himself, our Lord, had a path that led Him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, but He defeated the devil with the Word of God. And the Apostle Paul, who God used to write nearly two-thirds of the New Testament, had a path that led him into persecution and prison. But Paul lived out his days and was successful, wasn't he? So I just said that to say this, that the path that God has you on, yes, it leads past many good, wonderful things, but it will also lead you past some unsavory things. Not sinful things, but unsavory things. Because it is a path of righteousness. But when you have to go by the giant, the fiery furnace, and these other things, the valley of the shadow of death, we can rejoice and have the joy of the Lord knowing that God is with us. Notice Proverbs 2 and 8. Proverbs 2 and 8. New Living Translation here. I've been using the New King James, but here in Proverbs 2 and 8, New Living Translation says, He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to Him. So you need to realize when you're on the path God has for you and you go through that valley of the shadow of death or past that giant or in that fiery furnace, doesn't the Bible tell us that if we're on the path God has for us, that He'll protect us? Is that right? That's good to know, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I want to be on the path that God has for me. Now, now as, I, as I begin to close this message down... I want to ask you this. Do you think it's possible to be on the path God has for you and then get off of it? Oh, yeah, let me give you scripture. Proverbs 2.13. Proverbs 2.13. Let's go there. Proverbs 2.13. Notice this. 
Proverbs 2.13, from those who what? Who what? Who, who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. So is it possible to be on the path that God has for you and then get off of it? Sure it is. I've watched people, dozens of them over the years, that, that, that you see them, they come to church and they're, they're, they attend church and, and they're just so excited about, about the things of God and in the process of time, you check them down the road, they're not going to church anywhere anymore. Now, you te- I'm telling you, you can't be on the path that God has for you without, without being in the church God wants you to be in. Did you hear me? How many of you know God has a local church for everybody? And he has a local pastor for everybody. You cannot be in the will of God. It's impossible to be in the will of God if you're not hooked into a good local church somewhere, the, the church that God has for you. Do you understand that? But I've watched people, they've, been, they've just been, been, whether it's this church or other good churches that I know of, and they just go and they, they serve God, and then you see them several years later, and they're not even going to church anymore. Now, what did they do? They got off the path, didn't they? Now, you know the devil. How many of you know there is a devil, isn't there? Now, we, we don't run with him. We run with God. Is that right? But there is a devil. And the devil works overtime to try to get us off the straight path that God has for us. Particularly in the days in which we live, the Bible says, just listen in 1 Timothy uh, 4.1, 1 Timothy 4.1, Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. You need to realize that the devil is going to work overtime to try to get you off of the path that God wants you on. You need to realize that. You need to understand that. You also need to understand that that a lot of times people will yield themselves. I'm talking about well-meaning friends of yours will yield themselves to the devil unbeknownst to them and try to talk you out or talk you off the path that God has for you. How many, how many of you remember the Apostle Paul? And he was bound in the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. Remember that? And remember some well-meaning people tried to talk him out of going to Jerusalem. Well, it was the will of God for him to go, but well-meaning people, because you see, they knew that if he went there, he was going to be imprisoned and all of that. But, you know, he knew that he needed to go to Jerusalem even though he was going to be in prison. And there were some well-meaning people that tried to talk him out of, listen, you need to love everybody, but don't follow the advice of your friends. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Now, sometimes your friends can give you good godly advice, but you need to realize that sometimes the advice they're giving you, even though it may seem right, we lean not to our own understanding, but we go by what the Word of God and the Spirit of God's telling us to do. Now then, the Bible talked about leaving the paths of righteousness for darkness. I've noticed also, too, that a lot of people that I know, they didn't leave the path of God for evil, but they left the path of God nonetheless. How many of you remember Abraham? Do you remember Abraham, the father of faith? The Bible tells us that, that God spoke to him. He got right where he was supposed to be. And then the Bible says by easy stages, he drifted off away from where God wanted him to be. And the next thing you know, he found himself in Egypt, which is a type of the world, and he found himself in the midst of a horrible famine. How many of you remember that? You know, it's not just a matter... And I've watched it. The devil is very subtle... And and again, I haven't seen too many people that just say, you know, I'm on the right path here. I'm just going to get off here and just go sin. 
No, I've seen a lot of people, though, they just get off by easy stages. Well, they used to go to church every Sunday, now they go three out of four. And now, two out of four. And now, one out of four. And then the next thing you know, zero out of four. Now they're off where God wants them, aren't they? And they didn't do it just like that. They did it by, say, easy stages. Easy stages. So you need to watch and be watchful of and careful of those easy stages. You know, Abraham, by easy stages, got off the path God had for him. But you know what? Good news. He was able to get back on it. Say, get back on it. He's able to get back on it. I watched Mark, who God used to write the uh, gospel according to Mark. He went with Paul and Barnabas on that first missionary journey, and the path got hard, and what did he do? He got off the path, didn't he? But, praise God, later on, he got back on, and Paul said, he's useful to me for ministry. Barnabas, remember Paul's traveling companion, he had a disagreement with Paul. And Paul was in spiritual authority. And Barnabas would not yield to that godly, good, godly spiritual authority. And he got off the path that God had for him. It wasn't a matter of Barnabas or Mark or Abraham, any of these people going to hell. We're not talking about that. We're talking about getting off the path God has for you. And it's not a good place to be off the path God has for you. And and Barnabas got off. He had a disagreement with Paul. He wouldn't yield to good, godly authority. and, And he got off that path and... He was Paul's traveling companion, and and we hear very little of Barnabas after he departs from Paul. But Barnabas evidently got back where he was supposed to be because later on Paul writes and speaks well of him. And so all I want you to understand and realize here today is that once you become a Christian, there are various paths you can take, but there's one path that's the perfect will of God for you. Get with God, seek Him, and and get on that path, and stay on that path, and realize that that path will sometimes lead beside still waters, and green pastures, and good places, and fullness of joy, and all of that, but also realize that that path will lead by some unsavory things, but even through the unsavory things, there's victory, and, and if you're on the path God wants for you, there will be victory. Can you say amen? Now then somebody asked me one time and they said this, almost done, let me say this. Is it possible to stay on the path God has for you from the time you get saved till the time you go to heaven? Yes, it is. We see the Apostle Paul. He stayed on that path from the time he got saved. He got on the path God wanted him on and he stayed on that path until he went to heaven. And he said, I finished my course. I finished my race. He said he finished it with joy. And does anybody know what else he said? I have kept the faith. And so if you're going to stay on that path God has for you, you're going to have to keep the faith. Did you get anything out of this today? Let's everybody stand. Praise God.